Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Uh, looks like we're back to where we started, boys. Similar feelings of uh, last season definitely setting in, um, especially after dropping points to Bournemouth. All I, uh, all I could say is that I'm happy that this game was on a Sunday, because it ruined only one day of my weekend and not my full weekend. Um, but other than that, no real positives from this one. Um, we'll be breaking it all down as usual um, with my two trusty co-hosts. I got Sam here as well as Andres. I'll start with you, Sam. Um, hmm. Just kind of tell me how you're feeling, man, because this one, this one was a gut punch. Can we do another international break? Uh, it was nice not having to watch Chelsea play. Um, like, we waited two weeks just to draw nil-nil with Bournemouth. And, like, Bournemouth, they lost to Spurs. They lost to Liverpool. And we can't beat them. Like, Andreas, I think you said this. It's like, I'm at the point where I'm envious of Tottenham. Like, the way that they're playing. Like, that is how low we are right now. That is yeah. probably the newest low of all lows, right, Andres? Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. I'm having to compartmentalize my inner being because outside of Chelsea Football Club, you know, I should say I had a great weekend. You know, I, I saw the Longhorns win again. I got to enjoy the Colorado versus Colorado State game last night. But... Then I woke up early this morning for that. You know, it's uh, it's just infuriating. And, you know, you talked about being jealous of Spurs. I think the thing that makes it so hard to, to sort of swallow the reality that is our current state is those potch preseason interviews, man. They, I drank the Kool-Aid so hard. And I believed that, you know, potch as a coach could overcome the fact that our squad age is 21 or 22 years old average and so yeah it's just kind of just getting getting used to what our new reality is we are a mid-table team until proving it proven otherwise i think we are um definitely not in the wrong to envious tottenham because of what they've done and how they play but i i, it feels I do wrong. Just, it feels wrong but at the same time, I mean, their on-field products improved significantly. They're winning games, they're scoring goals. They have a manager that's willing to prioritize attack and not um, worry about taking risks like the last God knows how many Chelsea managers now. Um, but the one thing I am going to kind of throw out there in defense of Pochettino and this Chelsea team is that uh, that Spurs team doesn't really have any pressure when you compare it to the pressure of... Uh, you know, Chelsea Football Club and the job that Poch and these players have. So on one hand, yeah, I mean, I, I can totally envy them. But then on the other, I feel like if you put Spurs, if you put that same Spurs team, that group of players in this position at Chelsea, I, I feel like it would be much of the same. I mean, there's 
There's something in the water at Cobham for sure. I don't know, um, man. There's there's actual Premier League experience on that team. I think uh, mm-hmm. we are one injury away from having one Premier League proven player like that's on the insane. pitch at all times. It's insane, man. It's uh, I think that's where where we all need to kind of just rethink this season because the reality is with 12 injuries right now. Tiago Silva, who's barely been in the Premier League, Ben Chilwell and Sterling are the only guys who can say they have a hundred caps at yeah. at the Premier League. Yeah, that's, that's it. Wild. And and just to rub salt in the wounds, um, you know, Liverpool looked really shaky in their first half against Wolverhampton, went down one nil, and guess what? They came out in the second half with a different formation and a different Bro, system. Spurs scored and a twice way of in ten playing. minutes. Yeah. So like why can't we do that, guys? Why can't Richarlison, we Richarlison emergency? Yeah, 31 shots since our last goal. We just can't score. Yeah, it's not happening. Um, let's just get right into it, I guess. I want to get it out of the way, honestly. Um, Chelsea drew 0-0 at Bournemouth. Again, it, it wasn't the worst result in the sense that we didn't drop all three points, but it felt like a loss because we clean definitely... Sheet too. What was that? And a clean sheet, too. Yeah, and a clean sheet, um, you know, but regardless, it, I, I still feel like it felt like a loss. I'm sure you guys would agree with me just based on the way we started that game, the chances we created. Um, we could have nicked at least a goal. Come on. Um, starting lineups, just going right through it. Uh, again, it's this 4-2-3-1, according to Poch, but it's really a back three. Uh, Robert Sanchez in goal. Levi Colwell retains a spot at left back. Tiago Silva and Tassasi as our center backs, Malagusto right back, a double pivot. We have a full Premier League debut for Ugo Chukwu, um, getting his first start next to Conor Gallagher. Enzo pushed up to the 10, Sterling to his left, Mudrik to his right, Nico Jackson up top. So um, right off the bat, it's not what we wanted lineup-wise, I know that, but it is one step closer um, to the yeah, lineup we- that we would we would have liked we are Andres. one player away one player away from being mostly in position i yeah. i still i don't want to sidetrack us but i really don't like enzo at the 10 but the fact that we weren't putting a left back at left wing i think that first half clearly showed the difference and i think nico jackson was a big fan of it as well mm-hmm. yeah but we, we didn't put a left back at left wing but we did put a center back at left back yeah, so it's like yeah. we can never fucking win. <laughs> yeah, and, and, always and something. What drives me up the wall is that we had four left backs less than a month ago on the team, um, <laughs> and we're still and, and neither playing, of them would be starting. Ne- and none of them are starting. Instead, uh, we take the position that we're probably mostly stacked in and uh, shoehorning them, you know, into positions where they can do a job, but. I mean, over the course of five, six, seven games, guys, enough is enough. I mean, this Levi Colwell experiment, I guess we'll just kind of start there really quickly because that's the one that stuck out to me like you, Andres. Um, it should have been Chilwell. I mean, I feel like I feel like Colwell out there defensively, he's sound. We know that. But going forward, his, his passing is tidy, but you're also limiting him because you're putting him out on the left-hand side as opposed to having him in central areas where he's so good at those line-breaking passes and first-time passes. That's my big riff with this whole Levi Colwell situation. Um, 
what do you guys think? Sam, I, I guess I'll start with you on this one because Andres kind of gave his two cents a little bit, but you can jump in right after. Yeah, it's... I, I'm, I'll save kind of like the tactical uh, like difference for Andreas, but I think the confusing part is like we have we have Motson and Chilwell on the bench, and then when you see Chilwell came in immediately, he created a chance by like a nice cross um, that for some reason. Nico Jackson decided to just let him let it hit him in the face rather than try to head the ball into the goal. I mean that that was baffling, but um, yeah, like that that's the kind of stuff that Levi Colwell didn't do, and it's not it's not an, an indictment of of him. It, that's just not his position. That's not the way he plays, and we just have to preface everything with the fact that our team is just insanely injured. Like, Kukurea wasn't available, so that's one left-back option out. Um, you know, uh, who else came back injured? Caicedo like was hurt. Madueke yeah. came back hurt. Like, you know, that's just to add on top we, of the already massive amount of injuries. We can currently field a full 11 of players with our injuries and their and the the crazy part is that eleven is worth three hundred and twenty seven million. I mean, you could argue yeah, that that eleven was just as good, if not better, than the eleven we played today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just again, it's just questionable decisions. You know, it, it it feels like it was still a back three, like it was like the same formation, you know, mm-hmm. but just like Mujic was playing more, like more of an attacking role than Chilwell would at that same position. So I mean, you got two know. attacking you you got two attacking fullbacks on the bench and you know, Pochettino spoke after the match about how he was frustrated at how the fullbacks would vacate their space oh, and when we would lose the God, ball, we yeah. would get countered and it's like, listen, maybe your fullbacks are giving the ball away because you you're only playing with one. On the other side, you're playing with a center back who's not familiar with the triangles and the spaces and the overlapping and the timing of runs that a guy like a Ben Chilwell or Ian Motson would be good at. I mean, am I wrong at saying that, Andres? No, not at all. And I think also, like, why why do you think they ended up bombing forward is because we couldn't score against Bournemouth. Like, at one point or another, they were going to throw anything at a wall. And he even, Mm -hmm. even made that same statement that the defenders get to a point where they want to pitch in and try to be the ones that make something happen. So like, what did you expect to happen? My, my big thing is, is why is, is having flying fullbacks suddenly an issue when we spent multiple weeks in the U S seeing flying fullback. That's, yeah. that's where I'm at, at the biggest loss. And I'm just not a big fan, obviously not a fan of playing players out of position, but I'm also not a fan of accommodating to certain, I don't know if it's egos or something, because to me, just you're the manager, make the tough decision. Bench one of the center backs. It's going to be hard no matter who you bench. DeSassi has been mostly good. He had one bad foul, but he was good. Tiago Silva's Tiago Silva. Um, and then it's Colwell, who's been, like you said, de- defensively solid, but you're shoehorning him into the wrong place. So he looks limited. He looks like he can't do a certain job. So to me, it's like 
you just make the tough choice. Just like you're going to have to make the tough choice and bench Gallagher when Caicedo is back. You're going to have to make those sort of tough decisions. And the fact that we're, we're blaming injury for the reason, like I get that we have a lot of injuries, but that shouldn't dictate the identity of a team period. Like we still mm-hmm. have the right profiles to put in a true four, two, three, one and go from there. Yeah. That's where I'm, I'm so frustrated because it's Colwell at left back. And then the fact that to move to the next phase, Gallagher touching the ball 30 more times than Enzo makes absolutely zero sense. Even if Gallagher has a good game, it's different. You don't need Gallagher doing the buildup. You need him in the box. So why is Enzo the further forward player? He's less athletic. He's less agile. You do not need your 10 to to not have those qualities. Especially, again, in the preseason, the 10 was supposed to make runs past Nico Jackson and score, which Enzo will never do. So Mm -hmm. we spend all this time preaching a certain style of play and then just because it started with just the Nkunku injury, one injury, and suddenly we have to scrap everything. And it slowly changed week to week. Against Liverpool made sense. It's, it's Trent Alexander-Arnold, and it was beautiful against Liverpool. Great stuff. But if you also look at our heat maps, our back three, makeshift back three, is getting deeper and deeper and deeper into our own half. Part of it is the fact that Thiago Silva is being extremely slow with his buildup, extremely sideways with his buildup, which plays again into our own weakness. It lets the team against us settle a low block. And guess what? We still don't know how to figure that shit out. So all these decisions do have a domino effect on what the result is, not just on an individual level, but as a team too. Yeah. And look, I mean, the big debate here is... You know, is it Poch's fault? Is it the player's fault? You know, where can you really pinpoint and say we need to get better here? Um, I don't think there's a right answer to this question. I think there's a few of them. Um, There isn't just one. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read the attacking stats here really quickly. And this is for Chelsea as a team so far this season. Um, These are our Premier League rankings. So in goals, we're ranked 11th. In overall XG, we're ranked 4th. Shots, we're ranked 5th. Touches in the opposition box were ranked second. Big chances created were ranked second. Shot conversion ranked 16th at 7.5%. Big chance conversion 18th at 21%. Um, I mean, these numbers pretty much speak for themselves. I mean, in a way, it is frustrating to hear Poch go into press conferences and continue to say that he's seeing progress and he's happy with the way the team's playing and they're playing well. And he kind of, you know doesn't really own up to some of the decisions he makes. And he also doesn't necessarily throw the players under the bus either. Um, you know, these numbers don't lie. If, if, if you take away the shot conversion and big chance conversions, you know, we are a top five team um, by all respects, you know, if we, if we can clean up that finishing. So it's not necessarily that we're going out there and playing like shit and just not doing enough to even be in the game like last season, because let's not forget <laughs> last year, we would struggle to even get a shot on goal yeah. uh, or even take a shot for that matter. At least this season, we're able to do that. Um, granted we miss, but we're still at least taking some shots here. 
we're fifth in the, in the Premier League overall, so speaks for itself. But Andres, I mean, talk a little bit about this. I mean, I, I went ahead and I tweeted on the podcast account after the game that I thought Poch, again, didn't put out the lineup that I would have wanted, but the lineup was strong enough to get over the line. And we obviously didn't. So based on these numbers, is this really kind of the tail of the tape here? We huff I mean, and for we this puff, match, but we just can't blow the house down? Yeah, when Sterling is six yards away and he kicks a ball out for a fucking throw-in, yeah, it's it's on the players. I I don't comprehend how you can be one of the Premier League's top scorers and consistently miss the easiest chances. Because if I think of Sterling's goals for the most part, I think they're 50-50. They're either tap-ins or like some crazy shit. But he missed for him six yards out early on from a beautiful Gallagher. Um, through ball, and then he was like a centimeter away from a free kick. Gallagher himself missed two of them. And then you have Nico Jackson, who went brain dead today and was shooting the ball like 10 yards left of the target and sending it to the 30th row of the stadium. So today, like here, here's how I see it now. And so I'm, I want to hear how you feel about it. I think today is completely on the players because these guys, regardless of their age, et cetera, had the opportunity to put the goals in there and, and they had the talent to do so and they just didn't. They bottled it, period. My thing with Poch is you know you have an inexperienced team. You cannot be... Um, Giving them like you need to be strict in what you're asking, strict what their instructions are, strict in their positioning. So you can't be having Gallagher playing uh, as a double pivot one game, and then da- Gallagher's and then the further forward guy the next game. Enzo started the season as your sort of free roll. Now he's the ten because these guys don't have the hundred, two hundred, three hundred Premier League games to to figure it out on the fly. You have to as you have to be the leader as a manager at this point because there is no other leaders. You have to be the guy that says you're going to do A B C D. You're going to do A B C D, and that's it. Eventually, you're going to learn based on the amount of times you did my instructions what else you can add because you're there on the field and you see it. But the moment those things don't work, we look boring again, and then it's. I think I tweeted with 12 minutes left, like, don't. Don't bother. We're not winning. We're not scoring. So today, I think it's on the players, but I think in the big picture of things, I need Poch to have his one way of thinking and one approach that needs to be 90% of the time practiced and and hammered into these guys' heads. Because again, these guys are going to go through a lot of mistakes, but I at least want those mistakes to happen building towards one specific vision. Not a, oh, somebody else got injured. Let's figure out a new way to do things because that's not going to help anybody in, in the long run, including Poch and his job security. Yeah, so I think it's, it's kind of not weird, but to blame this match on the players, but the past matches on Pochettino when it's coming down to the same issues that if our team had any any skill in finishing 
we wouldn't be complaining about any of the decisions that Pochettino has made. Because we've created chances in every match that were pretty much sitters and for some reason our inability to finish just completely overtakes any positive that we have. Because, you know, we can play beautifully, we can do everything right, but if we don't put the ball into the back of the net, it's pointless. So, I I think that, sure, like, Pochettino's selection was a little bit better, but there's still so many things that, like, we've already talked about three or four players that we don't understand why they were played in this position or why they were doing a certain role that I still am putting blame on Pochettino on a little bit. Like, one thing you mentioned was the the team not having finishers. So should the blame then be on the when Stanley and Lawrence then? Oh, I mean, a full team of 21 year olds. Look, like, we, we, like you said this earlier, we need to retemper our expectations because we do have the youngest squad in the Premier League. I read this uh, on, on The Athletic. If you look at our full squad, we have the youngest team in the Premier League. So to expect us to... I mean, I, I'm taking back a little bit because we're better than fucking 13th. And if you look at the teams that we've played... Like this was prob like we probably have had the easiest schedule. No, it, it's it's factual. Based on last season's table positions, Chelsea had the easiest like ten matches by a long well, shot. We've only played four. No, but but it goes the, the graph shows is based on the first ten people your club plays. Chelsea's like favorability of schedules like in the almost seventieth percentile, and I think Newcastle has the hardest schedule because they've already played like City, Man U, and and uh, yeah, um, Liverpool, for example. And I mean, it's only gonna get harder the rest <laughs> like like this rest of the year. Zach, I know you sent a picture of uh, the rest of this, or like up until the end of the year, our schedule. It's gonna get tough, and if we're not able to like get points off of these shitty teams, like. I don't know how we're going to do it against good teams. Um, but, so yeah, going back, sorry, just, just to wrap up my, like, going back to what I was saying originally, it, ha- it like, blame has to go all the way from the top down, like, the team building, the manager, and the players. Because, like, look, like, this team should like, the players should not be this bad. And we are looking terrible. Like, we have talent, but it's just they're not playing well. I mean, it, it, what you're saying is kind of um, what Ron and John Anomics, too, tweeted at us about. And I'll go ahead and read both of them really quickly. We'll get your thoughts. Ron tweeted, too much unproven talent on this squad. Is this sustainable? Should we really not have high expectations with this group? And uh, Johnonomics too tweeted, "Is it too much youth and no one to guide them on the pitch? Normal sides would have two or three young players, and the experienced players can look after them. We have two or three inexperienced. We only have two or three experienced pros and eight kids in most lineups. I mean, I think he hits the nail on the head here. Um, I think I think a big reason why we lack that composure 
um, during the matches is because we do lack the experience up top. Again, you know, the, the criticism of Raheem Sterling, like what you were saying, Andres, it's, it's true. I mean, it, the man that scored double figure Premier League goals for two, three consecutive seasons seems nowhere to be seen. Um, you know, with Nkunku out, we look pretty hopeless up top. Um, you know, outside of Nico Jackson running around like a madman every once in a while, we don't really look like scoring any goals. So I do think the team is a little bit too inexperienced. I do have a feeling we might have done too much turnover in too little time. Um, in sure. order to expect the team to kind of be ticking on all cylinders at this point. I mean, look, it's not expected. We're only four or five games into the season, but there should be gradual improvement. And what we're seeing is gradual regression. And this is the worry, because for the last two seasons as Chelsea fans, and both of you guys can admit this too, we get the early signs, or we, we know now what the early signs are of the wheels falling off of an entire season. And... You know, granted, last match, not the result we wanted. But we go into the international break. You know, we think that it's going to give the players a chance to clear their heads. Maybe somebody banks for their international team, gets into a little bit of form, whatnot. But look, this one was a bigger, was a way bigger issue for me. Um, I said early in the pod, it it wasn't a loss, but it felt like one. And it's also feeling like we're about to embark on the same sort of path that we embarked on last season where we just he, gradually get worse as the year goes on well that's that's the part where like john nomics asking like where's the leadership coming from like and again we've already had to use spurs as somebody we're jealous about and like i i'm gonna now use arteta's like they're all or nothing season that's everyone's watched at this point what was he doing he was playing Saka, martinelli odegaard who are now considered great talents of the Premier League every week. And one week they would get pounded 5 nothing, and then the next week they might scrape a win, and then the next week they looked like the finished product, and the week after that they looked like shit again. But guess what? It was consistent. And I think there, there's two parts of that. Posh needs to get an idea of who can mimic the Nkunku role. I thought that's what Cole Palmer was supposed to be for, and he hasn't started yet. You have your double pivot options. We know who they are. You have your fullbacks. Use them. Your center backs. Like, sure, you don't trust Mudrik, Madueke, and Sterling too much. Screw it. At least let them build the the runs. He talks about Mudrik having to learn. We'll put him in a position to learn. And, and to me, it's like, if these guys are young, you teach them. Like, I coach nine-year-olds. Am I supposed to expect nine-year-olds to teach other nine-year-olds to, to freaking know how to win? Like, no. Like, I. I'm screaming, I'm coaching the same point week after week after week, hoping that it'll start clicking. Obviously, with pros, you hope they click much faster than children. But in terms of professional senior level minutes played across the board, it's not just age that we're the youngest. I I could argue that we have the least amount of senior pro minutes across the Premier League. So I I need to see that instruction. And then Obviously, we have to start scoring, but yeah, is it sustainable? Not in the long term. If you don't, if you don't want to go through the growing pains, you can't half-ass building a young team. Like we're gonna get zero-zero by half-assing it, and then lose the big games anyway. I'd rather lose the big games building towards something. Yeah, Sam, do you have anything to add to that? 
No, no. Very well put. I mean, Black Emoji asked the golden question, and this is, I mean, this is really the question of the fucking season, I think. How does this team win? Win one game. Literally, win one game at a time. Like, again, it's like, they're players that are, these, ki- these are kids. They're going to be, they're going to be running on confidence. They all have the yips right now. All of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we'll get to Leslie Oguchuku and, and why he looked comfortable today. But for the most part, they have the yips. Like, yeah. Mudrik has less professional minutes, even though he's 22 years old, than Angelo at 18. Significantly yeah. less senior level professional minutes. And he's got a big price tag on his head. He's got the yips. Nico Jackson started hot in the prim- in the preseason. Now he's not scoring. Big time yips. Like these guys are just in their head way too much. We just need to like they need to to win a game. This Aston Villa match, if we win it, could be huge for their for their um psyche. Confidence. And it could be the yeah. ugliest win, but we just need to get 3 points on the board again. Yeah. And go from there. Not not think we're hot shit like we did after Luton, but like, okay, maybe what coach is preaching is right, and it was on us to 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 do it correctly, and then go from there. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna throw something out there that you know I I, I know we're pinning much of the blame today on the poor finishing and you know the players that took part in today's match, but just looking forward here, guys. I mean. If we want to start winning matches, do, doesn't a part of you kind of want to copy a little bit of what that, I'm not going to say Spurs model, but that, that sort of pasta coglu mindset of we're going to attack, we're going to score the first goal, and then we'll worry about managing the game from there. <laughs> like, instead of this, okay, I'm going to play so-and-so here so we don't concede, so we can keep this possession and have 60-plus percent possession every game and have all of these nice chances-created numbers and, you know, uh, have these heat maps where we're primarily in the opposition half, possessing the ball and cross attempts and corner attempts and yada, yada, yada. Or would you rather have an extra attacker out there and the manager telling the players in the dressing room, hey, fuck the scoreline, let's just play well. Let's just have some sort of progress here, right? Take the reins off a little bit. Loosen up that pressure on these players because I feel like what's happening now is the temperature is so hot in that dressing room. All the players feel so much pressure to perform because they know that they can't score. And I think the case in point today is probably Cole Palmer's opportunity when he had a clean run on goal and pulled a chill well where he, instead of shooting it like he should have with either foot, he passes it. And the we weight of the pass, the pass. and the, yeah. oh, the weight of the pass was the weight of what his shot should have been, honestly. And I think in his head, he thought shot at first. And then at the last second, you know, he, he just he doesn't compute to change the power yeah. and decides to pass it. But, but beside the point, my main point here is that it is in the player's head. It is part of their psyche now that they can't score goals. So now it's it, it's it has to be on Pochettino to, to, to pull that pressure off of them. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Who else is going to yeah. do that? And, and again, you talked about like playing scared. Poch did make a comment. I can't remember off the top of my head where he talked about like, oh, I, I put this player here and there to like prevent conceding because when you're attacking all day, you might concede a goal or two against a team like Bournemouth and then you lose all three points. It's like we're going into Bournemouth even considering we might lose all three points, like, bro, 
No. Yeah. You the preseason is right there. Just watch that tape. These guys that are on your bench right now, even with the injuries, you're Matson, hell, Matson, Chilwell. Um, I can't forget who I can't remember who else was on the bench today, but they were there in the summer. They were doing yeah. it. We saw it against mm-hmm. competition that is in this league. I'm Brighton's B team is probably better than than freaking Bournemouth's first team. And they beat them, or they almost beat them, did they not? 1-1 one, one draw with our yeah. B team? Like, come on now. You've seen it. Let these kids, like you said, go gung-ho, go get their goals, and then, shit, then you go full fucking Potter when he started winning games, and at the 60th minute, you go hella defensive. Yeah, th- and that's my point. Get the first goal and manage the match from there. I don't care if you throw on all four or five of our center backs. between between minute one and 90 as long as we're scoring goals if you're bringing on center backs and defensive midfield players and fullbacks and whatnot i don't care as long as we're winning the damn game but the problem is we're bringing defenders on when we go down we go down a goal and we bring chillwell on like what are we actually doing here and i know that there's injuries i know that there's you know extenuating circumstances and whatnot but the I, I I hate that excuse, and I also hate the excuse of, oh, look at this injured team, they're worth this much, and you know, the, look at all this talent that's there, and blah blah blah. The fact of the matter is, outside of Nkunku and maybe Reese James, those injured players are completely unproven, right? For the most part. So, who is anybody to say that that team can come in and perform better than this team, for one, and two... The team that played today was fucking good enough. They were good yeah. enough. We shouldn't look past that. We shouldn't be making any other excuses. I'm so sick and tired of it. Like, whether or not Ugachuku starts or Gallagher's at the pivot, I hear people throwing Gallagher under the bus left, right, and center, and it drives me crazy. And it's not because of uh, I'm a Gallagher fanboy, but it's you're really going to scapegoat one player for the way that the whole entire team has been playing for the last two years. It doesn't like it doesn't make any Bro, it sense. It goes further. It goes, it goes deeper than that. than that. Yeah. It are, are like we've been paving through the cracks. Like if you if you really look back, even um, I'm thinking Tuchel's first year, we got top four because, or maybe it was the year before Tuchel because Mason Mount got a brace against Wolves the last week of the season. We clinched top four. The next season, we got top four not because we won our last game, but because Leicester beat Tottenham. We got wrecked by Aston Villa. We dropped to fifth, and then Leicester saved our ass. We got back into fourth place. Like, <laughs> we have been trending down for a while now, and other people were saving our ass. Then Roman's whole fucking empire goes to the fucking ground. And now the new guys are also figuring it out on the fly, and it hasn't been going well. Arguably the worst two years. We're on pace for the worst two years we've had in a very long time. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. I think it's it's irresponsible as a fan to point the finger at Gallagher when, again, Nico Jackson, Sterling missed too. Like, Cole Palmer didn't shoot. And this isn't the first time I say things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I do want to question having Gallagher play as captain. Um, I think I need to to just bring that up and and just say this guy almost got sold on deadline day for the past three windows. We what kind of message 
as a club now because we have to think ownership is thinking you're not you're ex excess goods Poch is saying he's pretty good but like Tiago Silva started this match why didn't he become captain? Why is it why one of the greatest it... center backs of all time not named captain yeah. over a he, player who, that who, should have been sold? Who, who were the two players that led the team out to warm-ups? Enzo and Thiago Silva. Not Connor Gallagher. So, like, now we're giving a fucking participation trophy because you're proper Chelsea? Like, nah, dude. Like, that doesn't send the right message either. Like, there's, there's those little things. Like, I don't think that's why we lost the game. But again, like, we... I need Poch to be fucking serious as like you are the sole true leader of this team. And like you can't just be handing out fucking recreational league medals left and right. Like, bro, Gallagher doesn't know how to be a fucking captain right now. Let Tiago Silva not step on his toes, basically. Like Reese James can handle Tiago Silva mouthing off. Gallagher, yeah. he's a fucking people, he's the biggest people pleaser in this club. Oh, I I don't want to go play for I want to stay here and, and do what I can for my club. Like, bro, that's a wild situation to, to be putting this guy and as a club captain in yeah. anything but but the league cup. And it's not to blame Gallagher. I mean, if he gets the captain's armband handed to him and the manager trusts sure. him, you're gonna take it and put it on. So like I'm not blaming him for that, but I mean it was a it was a pretty bad It was a choice. It was <laughs> I don't know why I was to say it. And Zach is frozen. Be honest with you, I was never. Did did I cut out there? Yeah, you did. (laughs) And then you you came back in uh, like three times speed. But um, yeah. Yeah, Did did you want to add anything, Sam? I just like. I. I, Did he. Did Pochettino give any reason behind it? He, He didn't talk about it after, right? I mean. The result kind of over, overshadowed that decision, I guess. I don't think it really matters in the grand scheme of things. Like, like if Tiago was captain today, it probably wouldn't have affected the outcome of the match. And I know that's not what you're saying. It's I know it's not what you're saying, but it's like it's just another weird decision. It's like yeah, the, the, the lines, the 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 many weird decisions are piling up. Is is my point? Well, well, well the the big question is, I mean, we're talking about all these weird decisions and. I said it to you guys in the group chat after I heard his post-match presser, but it sounds like to me that he's a man that doesn't know the answers. And he just seems like a manager that's just kind of overthought himself to death, and now he's in some sort of managerial purgatory where he can't really make a well-thought-out decision. He can't. I think he's gotten I too mean, much into his own head. He's overthinking things way too much. And and to be fair, he did the same thing at Spurs towards the end where he would overthink the tactics and sort of over-tweak things going into matches or, you know, overreact to teams that he shouldn't have necessarily been overreacting to. But, I mean, it's, I it's giving know. me shades of somebody that's sort of like not necessarily cracked under the pressure, but starting to maybe wither a little bit. I think he just came in way too hot with his preseason conversations. I think he... I mean, to be fair to him, when he recorded those things, he was asking for experience. Like, let's call a spade a spade. He was asking for an experienced midfielder. He was asking for more attackers. And then we gave him younger and younger and younger players. And then reports came out that he was like, I asked to not have a condensed squad and you're just condensing it with more unfinished goods. Like, he did make those statements. Like, they weren't like out in public, but, you know, the the athletic and stuff were reporting that Poch was like, what the fuck are we doing? 
you know? Mm. So I think he is now trying to do what we are seeing, which is change what the expectations should be of this group, that it is going to be a shit ton of growing pains. Like, I, yeah. I really do think that's what it is because, again, Cole Palmer didn't make the right decision. Gallagher didn't make right decisions. And it's not that the shots weren't like, I'm not even talking about the quality of the shots at this point. I'm talking about this decision making. You, you put into training as a coach the situations to players to see the situations and make the right choices at training. And you, you blow your whistle, you stop it, and you tell them, no, you should have thought about doing this, this, and this. And then it's up to the player to apply that in the game. These, these dudes are, are over, the players are overthinking it. I think Potts is just trying to, like I said, I think he's doing some damage control. And it's not just him. We haven't even talked about that with Stanley and Stewart decided to do a little bit of a copium interview through yeah. a Chelsea exclusive drop this week, which was yeah, really I didn't see that. They came out and dropped like a long interview about how we have fixed our all our issues and we got rid of players that we don't want that don't want to be here. And financially, we are set for years. And this squad is going to be one of the most competitive squads for now and forever. And it's like. I'm not seeing it. Like, why did why was that dropped after we lost to Forest? Not oh, convenient. Like, why are yeah. we suddenly trying to 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 freaking pour some more Kool Aid into the water? Like, mm-hmm. so I think the club in general, you know, I think our our directors also like Poch thought they were coming into hot, feeling hot from the summer. Oh, we got Caicedo too. Hell yeah! Guess what? Caicedo didn't train at all. We got Lavia. Oh, guess what? Homie's fucking injured. Like. For a long time, just, apparently. Uh, yeah. But I do want to point out that one of those signings, Leslie Oguchukwu, did look good today for yeah, what he was asked I, to I, do. I, yeah, and to be fair, um, I did want to move into the positives because there were three players in particular that I wanted to talk about. We'll start with Oguchukwu since you brought him up, Andres. Played his first, uh, well, his first Premier League start. He played all 90 yeah. minutes. 45 of 53 passes completed. That's 85%, not too shabby. One chance created, completed both of his dribbles attempted, won four of his eight duels. Now, I know he's a DM, um, defensive-minded player, obviously. He's a disruptor. But to be fair, he didn't really have much disrupting to do because Bournemouth (laughs) were playing on the counterattack. Hardly possessed the ball at all. Um, I'll I'll be straight up with you guys. I think he looks like he's beyond his years. He doesn't necessarily look like a 19 year old to me. Um, he looks like a way more seasoned player. I know he has a lot of first team experience. He's a big boy as well. His physicality did serve him well when he was riding challenges and holding off defenders. Um, he just seems to sort of be a presence in the middle of the pitch. And I think, I think he's a, he's, he's a good, like, you know, we just talked about when Stanley and Stewart, but this is a, this is a situation where I think they scouted a really good player, but again, he is relatively raw. So I mean, what did you kind of make of the of the performance today? Whoever wants to jump in first. Um, I agree. I think he looked composed. And I, I go back to the fact that I don't think it's just I, – I don't look at age anymore. I'm looking at the minutes played in, at senior level, right? And he played uh, the equivalent of about like 24 full 90s uh, at Wren last season. He was actually – he started 26 matches. So he played almost 2,000 minutes. Now, to put that into perspective, we signed Cole Palmer, who was supposed to be oh our, our secret weapon, Premier League experience guy. 
he clocked less than half the amount of minutes last season in the Premier League for comparison. Obviously, different levels of the league and all that, but in total, I'm talking Champions League, FA Cup, EFL Cup. He had less than just the league minutes that Ugo Chukwu did. And again, that shows me why Ugo Chukwu looked comfortable playing against a bunch of men. Because at the end yeah. of the day, the quality of the player, you can argue that, but it's, it's, it's still a full-grown dude with the full-blown professional regiment of, of work and athleticism and all that. And he looked comfortable in his role. He didn't look shy to go for a tackle. He didn't look lost like someone like Mudrik does at times. So, yeah, it was, it was a solid performance. I, right now, I see Ugochuku in my head as the John Obi Mikel of this season. Uh, I hope that that's what he kind of develops into. I understand that he's really more box to box and we'll have to see how Poch wants to use him, but I hope he's going to use him in one way so that he yeah. can at least build up on that week in and week out. If he's going to be the deepest in double pivot, let's keep that going. Um, so yeah, plus he's ginormous. So it helps with the whole like l- making sure we're aerially dominant situation. He's definitely- He's definitely mm-hmm. a presence. Whenever the ball's in and around him, the, the opposition players are definitely aware of him just because he is so big and so dominant. But, Sam, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I can't see him playing in any other role than what you described, Andreas. Like, uh, I think even <laughs> with all the fucking makeshift changes that Pochettino's put in, I think with him, it's 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 pretty clear like that's his position that's yeah. who he is like if anything maybe he could play center back that like if we're desperate emergency but, <laughs> yeah exactly like and that's the only other position and role i could see him playing but yeah it like makes you, it makes uh, you kind of wonder like after you watch him play the way he did like why did we buy lavia same position same age most likely um, going to fill a sim- fulfill a similar role. I know Lavia's a, a little box to box as well, but you know, in in my mind, when we bought both of these guys, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be backups to whatever DM we land because at the time we didn't have Caicedo yet. So, uh, in my head, I think it's kind of like why you had both Conte and Matic with mm-hmm. with uh, Lavia maybe being a more all action guy versus Uguchuku being the linky just destroyer that will then like pass on the responsibilities to someone else. Um, I also think that there is a plan B out there for 4-3-3 because we did see 4-3-3 in the preseason a couple of times. Again, harping back to what I thought plan, the original plan for the season was going to be 4-2-3, 1-4-3-3. So maybe that's where it is, where Leslie can be maybe slightly advanced, but more defensive. And Lavia is the the sort of connector guy who's also defensively solid in the deepest role. But yeah, I, I still think it's a slightly different profile. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the Matic comparison, I think is where I, I, I should have gone to start with because he's also got the super long strides. And when he gets on the dribble, he covers 30 yards in two steps. Mm-hmm. So Need to see how he shoots because that's the one thing Matic would give you at least a couple times a season a rocket going in from distance. Yeah, um, I mean, I overall it was a good it was a good performance from him. Again, um, we'll still need to see some more before we make our you know ultimate judgment on him as a player. But so far, guys, I mean, the limited appearances he's had for us obviously played in the Carabao Cup. He was one of our best players on the night. Him and Madueke kind of stole the show against Wimbledon. 
even though we didn't watch that game. Um, but yeah, so far so good from him. Uh, moving on here, I did want to talk about my man of the match. I'm sure he's your man of the match as well, Robert Sanchez. I think he's the only reason why we walked away with a draw, um, because we could have conceded here. Made all four saves from all four shots on target from Bournemouth. Six out of ten long balls completed. Um, two saves in particular I wanted to highlight. One in the first half where um, ball gets played to the far post. Finds a Bournemouth player completely unmarked. Sanchez reads it really well, reacts early. Uh, comes off of his line and makes himself really big. Quick reaction, reaction save. And then another reaction save in the second half. Solanke cuts in on his right foot inside of our 18, um, just inside the penalty area, and uh, point blank makes another great uh, kick save. He was flawless today, guys. I didn't really see him make any mistakes. I think the only time I saw him go up for a, a, a go up for an aerial ball and not get it is when Desasi got in his way. When he checked, and he yeah, wound he... up shoving Desasi right after it happened and let him know, like, get the fuck out of my way when I call for the ball. Um, but overall, zero complaints from Robert Sanchez, and I would even go as far to uh, give him the man of the match. Yeah, we don't win. The, we don't win this game with uh, last year's uh, keepers. That's we how didn't I win say. We're well, sorry. We don't. We don't keep <laughs> points. We don't keep points on the board like that save. We didn't have a goalie could make that save last season. The the one where yeah, the, where Borman made, made the big. yeah, he was very very brave there. Um strong arms to block that even though he was just reacting you know we we are prone to having noodle arm keepers prior to this so i think it's it's nice that he finally made some saves because i think he was he was our you know united is scapegoating sancho i think our fans were scapegoating robert sanchez going into this week mm -hmm. because basically the one shot on target the last couple of games had gone in so here you go he just earned us a point instead of us dropping yeah. points uh, all together again Mm -hmm. he, he, I'm gonna have to see a, a lot, a lot more uh, matches like this for me to yeah. gain confidence in him, um, because I still feel like I'm a huge Robert Sanchez hater, like pretty irrationally. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's keep it up, keep it up, Bob. Yeah, like you said, Sal, I think this is the beginning of Robert Sanchez. I think uh, he has to put together a run of these games before I'm fully convinced. Petrovic is him, finally here. Maybe maybe that's the motivation he needed. I think I think that does have something to do with it. I'm not going to lie. Because and it's, it's not a coincidence that we were talking about Petrovic last pod and saying, you know, maybe it is the time to possibly give him a chance. You know, maybe have let him have a run out and... Who knows? Maybe Petrovic came into training, looked really good early on, and that elevated Robert Sanchez's game. That that would yeah. be best case scenario. And if you look at Arsenal today, they yep, they made the rotation. That. They made the rotation. Yeah. David Raya started. Um, yeah. So it's like, why not? I'm, like, just because sometimes see. sometimes it's a player feel, you know. Like sometimes players just communicate better with one keeper. It's kind of like how in baseball pitchers have a catcher preference, you know. Yeah. It, it may not be that you know goalkeeper a was just so tragic that you need to bench him but if you've tried you know a b and c and none of those things worked maybe you're like uh one goal could have made a difference one less goal conceded could have made a difference before why not make the change mm -hmm. and i think another thing that this does Sam, you pointed out that it was a clean sheet um which I didn't even like consciously realize until you mentioned it just because i've been so downbeat about the result in general but um 
will this kind of performance give confidence to the back line in front of Robert Sanchez in the future? I mean, I think that's the overarching theme here. I mean, I think the back line, that's the thing. It's like, we've been so like safe in our approach. Like mm-hmm. our back line isn't conceding crazy outside of West Ham and, and West Ham had a, what, like a, a penalty. Okay. And... Let, let, let me rephrase then. Let me rephrase that. Instead of giving confidence to the back line, maybe the performance of Robert Sanchez will give confidence to Pochettino to maybe there go we a little go. bit more gung ho. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, if, you I, keeper, I, if you have a keeper you trust, you can definitely make those decisions without batting twi- batting your eyelids. So yeah, hopefully that's the case. Um, I do want to move on. Our last positive point here: Mikhailo Mudrik finally gets a Premier League start. <sighs> It's just been way too long. Um, played 63 minutes in total. The first half looked really bright, running at players, completed both of his dribbles, created two chances, won six out of 11 of his duels. Uh, he was fouled once, but you know it's not a flashy set, but when he put it into context, he was about a yard away from being inside of the penalty box, so he could have won us a potentially game-winning penalty. And, and Sterling was one centimeter away from putting it top bins. Literally a centimeter. Yeah, there was not much else Sterling could have done on that. Um, but look, the shaky start to the second half ultimately was the reason why I think Poch pulled him. I was disappointed. I didn't think it warranted him being pulled whatsoever. When you are looking for a goal or for a moment of magic and you go ahead and pull off your brightest attacker on the day, regardless of his last three or four touches, I don't care if his last three or four touches go off of his ass. Um, he's your, he's been your best attacker. You don't pull him off yet. Pochettino pulls him off. Um, and, uh, yeah, Bournemouth pretty much grew into the game from there. I mean, w- yeah. what did you guys make of Mudrik's mm-hmm. performance? Cause overall it did look like, to me, it looks like he's lacking a little bit of confidence, but at the same time, he's one of those players that it's refreshing to see somebody forced to issue and somebody actually be willing and able to just put their head down and make something happen by any means necessary i mean i i one of the first things i tweeted was like starter mudrick versus off the bench chasing a goal mudrick like it's night and day and i and i've talked about this over and over and over again he's a young winger he needs to understand that mistakes are going to be okay rather than thinking i can't make a mistake because that's what happens when you come off the bench chasing a goal so what did he do he played loose he tried to play his game he was connecting early with a striker. Um, did he sometimes force the issue with dribbling? Sure. Did he sometimes make a dumb foul himself? Sure. But he needs to understand that those are going to be parts of the game, and he needs to understand how to handle those situations, and he'll only learn that by starting. I think it was extremely harsh to pull him in the 63rd minute, like you said. I thought Cole Palmer coming in was the right idea, but I would have pulled either uh, Gallagher or Ugochukwu and and put Palmer at the 10, add another attacker, not do a one-for-one switch. Um, so to me, again, you talk about the foul that was one yard again uh, away from the box. Talk about more tired legs. If, if later in the game, Mudrik has a one-on-one opportunity and he somehow sneaks into the box, fuck it, you fall. It's a penalty chance. Like Those are little things that I actually Poch referenced. These young players need to be a little bit more... I don't remember the word he said. It was like not cheats, but like in Spanish, it's called it's called like being clever, like in a, in like a in like a cheeky way. Like you have to be like a 
like a <laughs> how do you call that like the dark arts kind of thing like you you start egging someone on so they'll foul you late in the game or you dribble into the box because they're going to be tired and maybe they'll stick a leg out and you get a penalty like you have to be smart in that deceitful way i guess is what i'm saying and, and taking out an attacker for an attacker kind of limits that mudrick is a 1v1 threat mudrick is an in-behind threat one slow pass backwards and Mudra could have gotten there. Like those are, are little things that you you need the chaotic winger to be involved in. So to me, it was it was just a a missed opportunity to keep him on the field and again play with the extra attacker, which we haven't done in so long. I mean, it basically I, goes to back up what I said last week about let these guys make the mistakes. Let them make mistakes. I don't care how many times they're going to make them during the game. Eventually, they're going to learn. The only way they'll learn is if you give them that green light. But so I'm sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah, I I don't understand the sub what at all. I mean, Cole Palmer is great and all, but he was one of the few like bright spark on the team. He was probably one of the best players on the pitch uh, today, um, and I don't know, I. It, it it just reminded me, like, this is completely off-topic, but just, like, do you guys remember, like, how we finished the match, like, with, like, it was, like, the last minute of extra time, of stoppage time, and, like, zero urgency, like, just passing mm-hmm. the ball around, like, you know, like, the commentators, like, they have one last chance, they gotta get into the penalty box, and they're just, like, passing the ball around, pass it backwards, and then the whistle blows, it's, like, where the fuck is that urgency? Like that—that's something that I think that if Mujic was on the pitch, he probably would have played with that urgency. Um, and I don't know. It—it was—I uh, don't know. The end of that game just really pissed me off. The way that they—they they looked like defeated. Like these guys don't care anymore. <laughs> that's the key there. So I'm urgency. I think that's the golden word when it comes to Mujic and why he deserves to play over you know some of the other wing options that we have. He forces I mean, the issue. He plays with a he earns another start. Yeah, yeah. I really hope he does. I, I think he deserves it. I, I don't want to go back to Chilwell playing left wing. I, I'd like to no. see them maybe play together. Wow, what no, a concept. I think Chilwell. I think Chilwell needs to go at left back. Because the point you made about super sub Mudrik compared to starter Mudrik, I mean, you can make the same comparison with Chilwell as a sub and a starter. But yeah. Chilwell comes on as a sub, he's god-awful. But then when he comes on as a starter, or when he starts as a starter... Um, we usually have the conversation about him being one of the best left backs in the Premier League. So it's yeah, just that's the one the one positive Sam mentioned, which was the one cross that accidentally hit Nico Jackson in the face. But apart from that, he was not adding awesome. anything. He he did overlap the attackers, which I appreciated. But like again, his his end product wasn't good at all. So I just well, I just want to see like if we know if we know we're gonna see low block after low block after low block. You need those extra runs. And like Sam said, today there was nobody moving. I think I texted in our group text, oh, lovely. I love seeing uh, Cole Palmer dribble for 40 yards and nobody made a single run. Like he dribbled left, right side to left side, running away yeah. from pressure, and the rest of the team Cross just stared 18. at him. Yeah. Just stared at him. So how can you fix that? Well, that you start up practice teaching players, like when do you make runs here and there? And you let your fullbacks make those overlapping runs. like. I mean, it be creates, a little brave. Be more brave. Be more brave. Managers love to use the word overloads and creating overloads. Well, what does having an attacking fullback do? 
Exactly that. You know, yeah. if you have yeah. a center back there, you're going to create a lot less overloads than you than you might like, <laughs> and a lot less overlaps and underlaps and runs into the box. And yeah, it's uh, it's been frustrating. But I mean, and guys, also that's... one one oh, yeah, more thing. Sorry, it. and I know that like Chilwell came on for uh, Colwell, and it was kind of like a like for like swap, and he was playing as a left back for parts of it, but it seemed like for a bit like he was playing in the midfield. Does did that did you guys notice that too? I, I well, noticed it, I, but I then when I where... looked up, I saw I saw Chilwell and Malo Gusto actually switched. Yeah, um, I mean that like, was, was like after at the a end corner. Of the match. Yeah. Yeah, it was oh, after yeah. a corner kick. The ball got kicked back over to Chilwell who was on the right side and Gusto was on the left. And then at one point Chilwell was like literally just hovering in the middle of the pitch and Malagusa was staring at him like are you gonna drift to the left so I can go back to the right or and there was like this moment of confusion yeah I was I was equally confused <laughs> yeah do you guys have anything else you want to add about this game because I, I want to sweep it under the rug I'm over it <laughs> we have Aston Villa next week how do we feel guys we do yeah I Aston Villa Seventh in the Premier League currently, um, scored 11 goals thus far, conceded 10. There are three wins in the Premier League this uh, so far this season. Palace, Burnley, and Everton, their only two losses to Liverpool and Newcastle. So it looks like they could beat the teams that are beatable, and uh, they lose to some of the good teams. But if we're going to look at... We don't know what we are. Villa, <laughs> we, yeah, first of all, we don't know who we are. And second of all, we got to look at Villa over the last, let's say, 10 to 12 months under Unai Emery. They've been one of the best Premier League teams around. So this is definitely not going to be a small feat going there. Or where is the match, actually? I didn't even it's, look it it's up. It's at Stamford Bridge, so I, that's, what, that's no. what I'm saying. Like This is the perfect chance to get your first win. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. I just think, like... If Wait, we've, a, we've a, had uh, a win. Don't forget the Luton okay. Town. Sorry. Okay, come on. Uh, your first, <laughs> like, any your first players like, in their team. Legit win, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your first legit, like, oh shit, Chelsea can compete to some degree. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Because we have to also remember the Luton Town game was frustrating for about 60 minutes, and then we blew up in the very end when they were exhausted. <laughs> they had that giant Adebayo guy giving us a nightmare for a whole half before we did anything. So how much do we lose by? I mean, um, let's get our predictions. <laughs> That's that is the real question. Uh, <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I, I don't want to do predictions right now. Like, I, I'm so discouraged. Like, yeah, I can't come out here in full confidence and be like, we're gonna win. So yeah, I, I, I draw prediction. I can't make that. Up. I can't make a a win prediction in in good faith. Like, it would. Yeah. I would be lying. So let's do let's do two two draw. Hell yeah! Wow, we well, twice. well, Dope. well fought battle. Both teams laid out on the pitch, and two-two <laughs> battle. Bringing that jinx back, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I don't know what to do, I just pull out old faith. <laughs> if we score two goals, that means hell froze over, and the groundhog saw its shadow. I just want one goal, man. I I really just want one. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I re- I I don't know. Because, again, it's a roll of the dice at this point with this team. Are we going to get the team that faced Liverpool? Are we going to get the team from the preseason? Are we going to get the team that beat Luton? Like, which which one is it? Are we yeah, going to get what, finally a 4-2-3-1 with everyone in the right place? Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, there's too many variables to even give a positive prediction. I couldn't so tell what you, I'm going to do 
Go is instead it. of giving a positive prediction, I'm just going to refrain from giving a prediction at all. That way I'll remain neutral. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think that's the move. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, guys. Um, Villa next week. It can uh, definitely take its time. I'm in no rush for uh, for that match to come up anytime soon. But um, if you're not following us already, make sure you are on Twitter at Blues on uh, yeah at Blues on Parade. Um, make sure you look out for our questions tweet. We do post it after every single match. We ask you uh, for your opinions or questions, whatever it might be about the previous match or just about the club in general. If you want to ask, make sure you're commenting on it, and you'll also get a shout out on the podcast as well. Um, so until then. Keep the blue flag flying high. At half-mast.